Praise the name of Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. Praise the Lord. Come on. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. He is worthy of all the praise and all the glory. Amen. I'm glad you're here this morning. If nobody has greeted you, shame on them. But I want to greet you in the joy of the Lord. God is our strength, our present help. And every time I think about Jesus, I get more and more hopeful, more and more excited for all that God has for us. Uh, I want to make an announcement that we do have sub sandwiches after church for those who are here. We can't get it through the screens, or we would, but for those who are here, we do have some sub sandwiches after church if you would like to get a snack before you head out. And this way you can beat the lineup at the restaurant. Amen. You can already be full. While you wait for your reservation, see, TGP thinks about everything. Amen. We think about that as well. And also, our cafe is open. So if you'd like to help yourself with a cup of coffee, if it helps you to stay awake, praise God. Help yourself to coffee. It's complimentary. And the reason why these things are available is because of your generosity. We thank God that you are a giving church. You are a church that's committed to expanding God's work um, here in Marion and throughout the state and also throughout the nation. Um, as many of you know that um, we're from Canada, so we have people who watch. They tell me, especially my mom, hey, mom, if you're watching, she watches online. It's so cool. She's 80-something years old, still rules the house, amen, and we still fear her, praise God, and um, and so we give each other heads up. Mom's calling. Did she call you yet? I'm like, thanks for the heads up so I can get my act together because... <laughs> She's still in control. So, But because of your generosity, we're able to do that. And we also want to make sure that both your experience here in person and with technology, the way things are going, that those who uh, cannot be here physically, um, schedule or just different things, um, that they can get the best experience possible. Amen. So your generosity is doing that as you continue to give. Um, this weekend, under the uh, leadership and vision and birth in the heart of uh, Blaine, and Danny, we uh, or we partnered with them as they did their youth fire rally, and it was absolutely amazing. So it was absolutely amazing. And one of the things I told him, I said two things when he asked. He says, do you understand the climate that we're in? I'm like, I do. And uh, he says, what would you do? So I gave him all the reasons not to do it. This is what you're going to go up against, you know, as a, as a mentor and now as my uh, son-in-law, you know, and uh, just a great friend. I said, these are things you have to look at from a leadership perspective. I said, however, if God says do it, we're on board, buddy. If your motive is for his glory, let's do this thing. And uh, he convinced me and it would bear witness with my spirit and also bear witness because other people sold into it outside of here. That says, Minister Blaine, we believe in the God you serve. Man, that's, you should write, I'm not even preaching, you should write that down. The God that you serve. And that's biblical because the three Hebrew boys, when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, when Jesus manifested, the king said, oh my goodness, the king, the God that you guys serve, that's God. So there's a message in that, given all that's taking place in this nation. If the church will just show forth the God that we serve, people will come and say, oh, this is how it works. Amen. And so people were sewing into it, and it was just tremendous. And uh, so I am physically exhausted because it's young people. I am mentally exhausted because it's young people. And I am emotionally exhausted because it's young people. Amen. But my heart is on fire because it's young people. Amen. And so, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you're in for a treat this morning. I want you to open your Bibles and let's dive into the Word of the Lord uh, today. This message is absolutely going to rock somebody's world. Literally. It's going to shake your world. Um, it's going to shake your world because when the world is shaking, you're going to be stable. You're going to be stable. You're going to be stable. So, this is a great, great message. And I thank God for it, and um, the way that I uh, receive a message is I ask the Lord, and, and there's sometimes that he keeps me guessing right up until the very last minute of it. I don't like when he does that, but he's in control, he's in charge, and uh, so I'm excited uh, that he's given me this, this word that is also for me as well. 
And so you're going to need this message, um, maybe not right now, but you will need this message in the months to come. You will. And so we've been looking at uh, confidence. We've been looking at confidence. And what I want to share with you today is just the first part of what I'm entitling the cultivation of confidence. The cultivation of confidence. Remember, confidence is not something that you build necessarily. Confidence is something that you develop. You already have it. The question is we must cultivate it. We must stewarded. And so um, we know that we're going to look into the scriptures. We've got to find ourselves in Genesis. Amen. So before we go there, go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Let's begin our journey there at Second Peter chapter number 1, verse 1 and 2. And the reason why we're picking Peter and the reason why we're going to look at Peter and we're going to end with Paul is, is Peter is, is that believer that we can all identify with. Peter is the believer who started out as a coward but ended up confident. Peter's that guy. Peter's the guy that walked on the water. If you read your Bible, nobody else in Scripture walked on water except Jesus and Peter. And so there's looking at Peter should make every believer excited no matter what stage you are in this in this cultivation of confidence because we can see that Peter who walked on the water also cussed when the little girl said, hey, you sound like one of the disciples that was with Jesus. That's the Peter we're looking at right now. But this Peter that's riding is not the one who was warming by the fire. That That's not the Peter we're looking at now. The Peter that we're going to look at now in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 is the one where tradition said that when they crucified him, he says, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Turn me upside down and crucify me. That's the Peter we're talking. We're talking about the Peter who had to navigate this church that was facing persecution from, from, from the leaders of Rome at that time and even during the, the reign of Nero, who was just a mean dude. And, and, and so we're looking at Peter trying to navigate this church who had to, who had to disperse because of the persecution. That Peter we're looking at. And so Peter recognized now that the audience that he's faced with, that he has to encourage, they want to surrender. They want to give up. And so Peter is also one of those persons who's the word Christian because it's only used by Paul and it's used by Peter. Twice, or Dr. Luke writes in the book of Acts, twice the word Christian comes up, but Peter also used it. And he says, if you suffer as a Christian, so he's not using it the way that Antioch first said it. Peter now was saying, if your life reflects that of Christ, if you suffer because your life is reflecting Christ, he's saying, have confidence. Have confidence because the same thing happened to your Lord and Savior. That's what he's saying, have confidence. And so so to cultivate confidence, Peter is writing now. And so in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he gives us the introduction. And he says, Simon Peter, Simon Peter. Even that is extraordinary because uh, 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 Jesus even says that you are Simon, but now you're going to be called Peter. And so he wants them to make sure that if you know me as Simon, if you know me as Peter, I'm the same dude. I- I'm the one that was Simon, which means small pebble. And now I'm Peter means the rock. Oh, come on. And so he wants to begin because he's dealing with this concept of confidence. And so he wants them to recognize that you can identify at any stage in my life. And he begins and says, I'm a servant. He doesn't brag about his title. He doesn't brag yet about being with Jesus. I'm first and foremost a servant of God. And how we need leaders who are humble. Because they know where they've been and where they're going. God knows we need humble leaders. Now, being humble doesn't mean being weak. Come on. Being humble doesn't mean you don't address certain things. Being humble doesn't mean that you don't speak to the evil that exists. Being humble means that your posture is one that you are pliable and you want God to mold you. That you are the, 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 the clay and he's the potter and he can mold you anywhere you want to. And so Peter wants to make sure that we get this in our minds. Be humble. So God can use you to cultivate confidence in yourself and other people. And then he begins by giving his authority. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm a set one. 
And so for years, it has been identified in my life that I flow in an apostolic call. I wouldn't say that I'm one of the original apostles. No, no, no. No. We flow in the apostolic gift that he talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe, or Ephesians chapter 5, where it says God gave to the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. So you can't have pastors without having people who flow in the apostolic gift. And so to flow in the apostolic gift, then it's a governmental gift. So in other words, my presenting the gospel to you is from a place of where I flow in the apostolic because God has called me and my wife to lead this church to equip us because we have an assignment. Now some choose churches based on comfort. You choose this church because of being challenged. Come on. That I want to know my assignment because the ministry I'm under is a humble ministry but also apostolic in its authority. And so unless there's any confusion, you must understand that, that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is paramount in this house. That our core values is that prosperity is found in Jesus Christ alone. So I can't flow with an apostolic gift. Ready, someone who's been sent by God. And so I have a unique perspective. I couldn't say that years ago because I was walking and in my insecurities, having false security. Come on. And so my humility was because of what people said about me. So I was thinking low. And God had to remind me that's not being humble at all. That's false humility. Nobody prospers when you're being walked all over and calling that being a servant of God. The devil is a liar. Nobody walk all over you. You're out of your mind. Come on now. What he's saying is this, that with an apostolic gift, and the reason why I'm saying it now is not just because I'm in this new season of my life. The reason why I'm saying it now is because outside the culture is, is requiring that there be a voice, there be a light who rises up and can say, thus saith the Lord, this is the direction, this is where we're supposed to go. We need an institution, we need a movement who can cultivate confidence in the climate and the culture. Of which we live. And so he reminds me. says Ro. I've called you apostolically. I called you from one nation. To another nation. To another nation. So I've got some experience. On nation building. Ooh, Come on now. That's why I'm not freaked out about what's going on. That's why I'm excited. That's why I know what exactly is going on. And you're about to receive in the month of October. I'm going to share with you exactly what's going on. So the church doesn't become divided. Come on. But we become united. The Lord spoke to me and says, can we believe and vote for revival? Come on. Can we vote for revival regardless of what happens? That we're going to say, God, we vote for you. And if we vote for you, we want to see revival move through this land. Ooh, good God Almighty. I promise you. You'll vote right if that's your motive. Come on, somebody. Let me get off of that. And now he says, because of this apostolic call, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of God, our saving Jesus Christ. So it's introducing something new. Please understand that the culture hijacks biblical words. And if we remain biblically ignorant, they will use words and change the meaning of it. So when people come in and we say a word, the culture thinks the same thing as the church. No, no, no. I don't know when it happened. But all of a sudden, the world has become the church and the church has become the world. And I have no idea when it did that happen. It's because we don't speak a kingdom language. We don't speak kingdom language. Because the Bible clearly says that we are foreigners. Come on. Sojourners. That this is not a home. Mm, come on. Somebody. Ah, this is so good. And so the language we speak should be kingdom language. Kingdom language. And, and so when we look at this word... Faith of equal standing, what he's saying is this is just because I introduce myself as an apostle doesn't mean my faith is any greater than your faith. He doesn't want to lose his audience by making them think that he's up here and they're here. And so therefore, they won't have the motivation to try to get up here because they'll say, well, he saw Jesus. But here's the goal. Ready for this? We all need to experience Jesus. Come on. 
And he even says, Jesus says this, that you believe because you see. But blessed are those, come on, who believe but don't even see yet. So the apostles are saying, what faith you must have, come on, that you're still believing though you don't see him. So that's why when we talk about an encounter, we're not trying to get on your nerves. We are literally saying, be that which is glorious. Come on. That you actually are demonstrating great faith. And so he begins. And so here's where he now begins, begins the Genesis account. Because in verse number two, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. What an introduction that he gives. And so, Father, we thank you for this introduction. We thank you for this ministry and this church and what you're doing in this ministry and in all the ministries in this city and all the ministries in this state and all the ministries in this nation, Lord God. Let us never compromise, but let us cultivate and let us raise up by your Holy Spirit, confident people, Lord God, who knows exactly what the time and the season requires of us. So I've sensed that in my spirit. My God, I need somebody to come in agreement with that. God, please. Please, God, please, I beg you, God, let me come in agreement with the time and the season of which you are operating on in Jesus' name. To piggyback the words that God gave Minister Blaine, awake us to destiny. Ooh, good God Almighty. Don't just do it in the young people, do it in me, Lord. Wake me up to destiny. Wake me up to destiny. And so in verse 2, it says, may grace and peace, here's the word, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, so, so if you have never heard this before, um, here it is. Everything begins in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Let's go back there. Because if we're going to talk about cultivation of, of confidence, we've got to go back to the original intent of God, which is called purpose. We've got to go back to what God had in mind. And it's timeless truths. It's timeless truth. And so what he wants us to do is to this, right? So there's four things. We're only going to get to one of them today. And then Wednesday, we're going to go through the other ones and see where God takes us. But, but, but the first one is this, is that we must follow the instructions, If we're going to cultivate confidence, we have to follow the instructions. After that, the reason why we have to cultivate confidence is because for us to move forward in faith, that's the second one, we need to cultivate confidence. So the first one is follow the instruction. The second one is we should be moving forward in faith. The next one is just live by faith. The next one is the fruit of faith. So when we're going to cultivate confidence, these are things that we're going to go through that is vital if you want to make, ready, a contribution in the redemptive history where God is orchestrated and God has ordered things. If you want to be part of that, you have to look at these things. That's important. And so Peter is telling this, these individuals, he's telling this audience, that you're a part of the redemptive history of God. That's what he's telling them, that you are a part of the redemptive history of God. And as I told the teens on Friday, and I'm telling you today, I believe, I believe everything inside of me, right? This is what I believe, that every time we gather together, every creative event is part of God's history. He takes a photo of it. And every time we gather in the name of Jesus, you are a part of history. That when he looks back over time, he recognizes, yes, you are part of history. And to be part of history means this, that the generation that's to come can look at what you have done, your contribution, and you, they can look and say, thank you for cultivating confidence. I Now I can step into my destiny. That's how important it is that we look at a generation ahead of us and we look at a generation behind us. And the reason why the culture is the way it's, it, it is, is because a generation did not do what they were supposed to do. A generation did not do what they're supposed to do. And so we have to go back now and we got to follow the instructions which never change, which never change, never change. Um... We ordered this filing cabinet from an online company. And, 
And so um, when they delivered it, I thought they delivered it all put together. I'm like, why in the world would you order something and it not come together? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So Megan, with her brilliance, says, no, we got to put it together. And so we open in. There's pieces everywhere. So I'm just grabbing stuff, man. So she finally says, let's follow the instructions. And so the Bible (laughs) tells us to follow the instructions because we wish parenting came all together. Come on. (laughs) We wish marriage came all together. We, we wish that life was just all together and didn't require us to follow the instructions. It'd be so easy to just pop out of the womb. Come on and says, I got it all figured out. He goes, no, no, no. No, they come in all sorts of pieces. And so we have to follow the instructions. And so to do that, we've got to then go back to it's Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. And I'm telling you, everything you need is in those three chapters. Every single thing we need in those two chapters. And here is the problem. This is an apostolic word for you. Most preaching preaches from Genesis chapter 4 onwards. And we don't tell you what's available in the first three chapters. And so what happens is that we don't follow the instructions. The instructions were given in the first three chapters. And chapters 4 until where we are now is us trying to figure it out. And so confidence is found in the first three chapters. And it's from that now you have to cultivate it in chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Because it's redemptive history that God is walking us through. And so Genesis chapter 1 verse 20. And he says this, right? And God did what? He blessed them. Who did it? God did. He blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and do what? Multiply. Fill the earth. And subdue it. It's cultivation. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he's telling them now, God blessed them, God said to them, and so he's cultivating now this confidence. Who gave them the confidence? God did. God told them, do this. Be this. Not do, be this. And in being this, you will do exactly what I said. And so you can begin by declaring that in the original mind of God, we were blessed. If you look at the scripture right from the beginning, we were blessed. And that's why throughout the scriptures, you continually see even the, the, the uh, high priest blessing that Aaron did. The Lord bless you. The Lord cause face to shine upon you. And throughout scripture, you continue to see this word blessed. It was a form of greeting. So when we greet one another, we should be able to say, God bless you. And when we say it, we're not talking about from Genesis chapter 4 onwards. No, we're saying, I'm speaking to your original design because I want the confidence to come out. And so he says, he blessed them. He blessed them. And so now in Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, he goes into more detail. And he says, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up everything that is what? Pleasant to the sight and good for food. Look at that word pleasant. For sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here it is now that God has said everything that he created for you is good. Pastor, why do you keep talking about this? Because you got to get it. Tell him I said hi. (laughs) You got to get it. (laughs) And so he's saying now, right, that, that everything was pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life. What was in the midst? The tree of what? Life. And so what we do again is everything we talk about comes from the tree of good and evil. And no one's talking about the tree of life. And so he says, you must talk about the tree of what? Life. And he says, if you talk about that, you're going to be able to walk and follow the instructions that are there. Now, to follow the instructions requires two things, actually three things, three things. The first thing is we love to be reassured about following the instructions. We love reassurance. And that's awesome. 
We love it, and that's part of what we need to do, and, and that's why we come together as a community, is we love to be, to, to have reassurance. You need that. That's part of confidence, assurance, to be reassured. It's to, it's, to, it's to remind us of our confidence. But there's two things that are very important, and, and one of them is this, is, is rebuke. Oh, help me, Jesus. A foreign word to young people nowadays. Like to young people, like, what are you, rebuke? What are you talking about? Like totally foreign to them. I don't even know what that is. And so rebuke is simply this. Rebuke is wanting you to walk in your best. That's what it is. It's for you to walk in your best. And because I'm your parent, I want what's best for you. And so, and so biblically, Paul would write and Paul would say, and he would talk to churches as if, as if, like, I, I birthed you. I'm like your mother. And he goes, I'm like a father to you. And, and, he, and in Hebrews, it says, if you're not corrected, it means you're not parented. Come on. And so the reason why he says is because he recognized that the enemy now is going to try to come and try to rob you of your design, rob you of your decisions, rob you of your destiny, rob you of your determination. He's out to rob you of those things. And so a rebuke is simply this. I see behind you what you don't see because I believe what's in front of you. So when you rebuke, you're saying what's behind you is your past. Get out of your Satan because your future is worth pursuing. So therefore, I stand right here. Come on, cultivate confidence that when I rebuke, you recognize there's something trying to get me behind. Come on, because there must be something ahead. The Bible says Jesus, for what was ahead of him, come on, denied and took up his cross and went and fulfilled the will of God. And so, churches don't rebuke anymore because we're afraid you'll leave. <laughs> and, and, and so the reason for that is, praise God, is when you have a humble, submitted pastor, you welcome that. Because you know he's not, come on, looking at the speck in your eye. Come on. When he's got a beam in his own eye. No, 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 baby. He recognized that we all need to walk in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so God's rebuked me, so I'm going to rebuke you. Because that's how it works. See, the reason why we need to be rebuked is because I heard this statement from our general supervisor who is a female, by the way, and powerful in the four-square church. I'm like, every time she's talking, I am turning that thing on. Absolutely an amazing God-appointed decision. And she made this statement. And she says, the problem is when we're not confident, we speak lies in love and truth in anger. I was like, I said, rewind that. What? 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 When you lack confidence, you speak lies and love and keep people in bondage. And you speak truth and anger and have people stay away. And she says, a confident person speaks the truth and love. And sometimes when I give you the reassurance, you also need the rebuke. Come on. And so he says, here's how you do it. Because that's the question. How do I do it then? It's not to embarrass. It's not to condemn. How do I cultivate confidence without bringing condemnation? You need the Holy Spirit, number one. Number one, you need that. You need the Holy Spirit. Because there will be pushback because your flesh don't want to hear it. The flesh don't want to hear it. And so, and so therefore there's, there's going to be pushback. And so what you must understand is this, is that what is being fought is a way of thinking. That's what the battle is, that you are wanting me to change what I'm used to and what's been familiar. You want to change what I've cultivated in my past. You want to mess with my pain. Ooh, come on. And when you mess with my pain, I got to know, am I going to gain anything from being vulnerable in your presence? And so therefore, if you mess with my pain, you're going to see my anger. And so what he's saying is this, that when you rebuke, you must first and foremost have the Holy Spirit present. If he's not present, you wait. Go back in your closet. Come on. Go back on your knees. And ask God. Say, God, give me 
your presence because I cannot avoid this issue. I must address it. Why? Because there's something that's trying to hold them back and I've got to rebuke it and I recognize it's not even physical, it's spiritual. And so therefore I must be in the spirit to speak to that spirit. So Paul writes, here's how you do it. He says in Titus chapter 1 verse 9, for those taking notes, if you're going to rebuke, he says you must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. There it is. So that he may be able to give instructions. Ready? In sound doctrine. That's the mindset. It's doctrine. Come on. That's the thing we can't compromise on. We can decide to disagree about different tastes, but when it comes to truth, good God Almighty, we cannot compromise when it comes to truth i want the truth the whole truth so help me god and if it's not truth i don't want to hear it because we can have different taste buds but we must have one truth and so it's a sound doctrine and also to rebuke to those who contradict it and that's what you're doing you're saying i am a person of truth And so therefore, I rebuke that because it's truth that will set you free. And if you really love somebody, you'll rebuke every devil and demon that's trying to attack their life. And so he says we want to be able to give instructions. So, so follow the instructions becomes with a rebuke. And so now we go back to Peter. And so Peter now says, okay, fine, because Peter knows like to be rebuked because even Paul rebuked Peter. You must have some confidence, come on, to come late to the party and tell the one who started the party, come on, you're messing with the party, come on. That was good, thank you, Holy Ghost, you know what I'm saying? Paul, who came after, is telling the one, he says, upon the rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And Paul is rebuking Peter. In front of everybody? And Peter even says, yeah, man, some of the stuff that Paul talks about is hard. (laughs) This joker don't play, man. I mean, Paul don't play around. Paul's like, hey, let's bring John Mark. Uh Uh-uh. Come on, Paul. No, we ain't bringing him. But I was like, let's bring him. He's family. He's your family. Come on. He ain't my family. Come on. We're going to have a sharp disagreement, which is what they had. And it was good to the church. And so Paul went and took Silas and they went on their way. And and Barnabas took John Mark. But that rebuke was so necessary. Because at the end, Paul says, go send me John Mark. Because he's now profitable for ministry. And so what we saw, we thought was harsh. Paul said was necessary. And John Mark thanked him. For rebuking him and saying, hey, I know I messed up. I know I messed up. See, I heard another statement. Uh, uh, another uh, lady in the Foursquare leader was talking about. We got some powerful ladies in the Foursquare church. We got some powerful ladies in this church. Come on. So if you're a man up in here, you got a man up, come here. Praise God. You know what I mean? Because you got some strong ladies up in here. Strong ladies up in here. Amen. I got one of them. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm, I do. I do. And, and so she made this statement. She says, um, God called you knowing that you're going to make mistakes. But the reason why he called you and his confidence in you is because you won't make excuses. Ooh. He said, he, God called Moses knowing he's going to make mistakes. But he said, just don't, just don't make excuses. I was like, ooh. So that's why I have to cultivate confidence. Because I know I'm going to make mistakes. Absolutely. But I don't want to make excuses. And, and, and so and so here is Peter now. And, and Peter said, okay, fine. I, I get the rebuke. And now he's saying, but let me give you the reminder. So to follow the instructions requires a rebuke. And it also requires a reminder. And so let me remind you. And that's what we're talking about. Confidence It's not to rehearse this thing. But it's a reminder. Because I want you to get this. Because I want you to listen. Trust me on this one. The climate is going to get rough. 
And the reason it's going to get rough is because God knows what he's doing. Come on. And the church that is prepared for the harvest. Come on. Because people are going to start looking for a church that they can go to. Go to a church that's been telling them this is what it means to have confidence in what's shaking. You're going to be able to say, why aren't you moved? Because I'm moved by God. I'm steadfast, unmovable. I'm abounding in the work of the Lord. So God's remind me, don't, don't look on the outside row. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay faithful to what's going on. Cultivate confidence in people. Because I'm telling you right now, this building is not big enough for the people right now that God is going to use. Come on, to be part of his redemptive history. And we've got to be prepared when they come in to say, follow the instructions and you'll be cool. <laughs> come on, somebody. Do, do, do you judge against this? Absolutely not. Follow the instructions. You're going to be cool. <laughs> Is everybody welcome? You better believe it, but follow the instructions. Come on. Ah, come on, come on. You came to God because he called you, not because God needed you. So how dare you tell God how you're supposed to live? Come on, what audacity. He calls you to himself, and you're telling God how it's going to go down? Follow the instructions, follow the instructions, follow the instructions. This is so good. So, the reminder. So here... In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, Peter now says, and this is why he's doing this. He says in verse 13 of 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, I think it's right as long as I'm in the body to stir you up by way of reminder. In other words, I want you to awake to destiny. Come on. That's what he's saying. I want you to recognize that it's not just about the destination. It's about the destiny while you're still here. Oh. Mm. It's not just about the destination. It's about destiny. And the reason why it's vital that we understand this kingdom word. Someone say kingdom word. Kingdom. Is because the only time the word destiny is found. Watch this now. Is in Isaiah. And when it's found, it's from a Babylonian God form. And so what they were doing, it's actually in King James called numbers. And so what they were saying was that they were given drinks, they were given food to fortune and to destiny. And it was the enemy's way of perverting who you are in Christ. Come on. And so everybody awakes to destiny. Come on. It just depends on which God you're serving and which God are you drinking from and which God is feeding you. Come on. And so the people who are hungry for God, they recognize it's about destiny. It's about predestination. It's taking me back to Genesis again where God blessed me. So we have to take that word back and let people know that destiny is a stirring up and a reminder of who God said I am. I've got to him. And so in verse 14, he says, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So Peter recognizes now I'm in a place of legacy leaving. And he lived that way, knowing that his life was going to, to have to end. And he says, I am clear of what God's purpose is for me. And so therefore I live steward in my time because I recognize my time belongs to him. And so he now says, I'm going to make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So as a leader, he's recognized that every time a leader speaks, he has to leave a part of him with you. That's why you want to be under great leadership because the leader that you sit under, a part of him stays with you. And the Bible says whatever happens to the head happens to the body. Good God Almighty. And so we know that works when it comes to the triune Godhead. Come on. But we have to also understand it works as well. That the leadership you sit under, come on, is vital to your way of thinking. And so therefore you've got to go to leadership that's going to make you go deeper into the word of God. I don't want the surface stuff anymore. I want to go deep into the word of God. I have a destiny inside of me. I got some place to go. I got somebody to be. And I need you to remind me of who I am. Because all week the devil's been beating me up. And when I come together, I need to be reminded of who I am. So my last three points is this. Here it is. The first one is we approach the instructions then. When we take a look at it. As DIY. 
do it yourself. <laughs> we do it ourselves. And so this gave birth to the human potential movement. Some do it yourself because they like the fact that they could do it. Some do it because they can save money. I am neither of those two at all. I, no, no, I'm like, come on, put it together for me. And so, and, and so, uh, you know, when Megan, it became, it became something we did together for fun. I had to tell my mind that putting this, putting this filing cabinet together is I'm spending time with my wife. I had no enjoyment. I would get so distracted. I'd be able to take a break. Let's go get Chipotle. You know what I'm saying? Cause I can't do it. And she's got her phone out and taking some picture of it and speaking to her. And I'm like, my gosh. We should have bought the one that came together on display. I would have bought the one on display. But I gave birth to the human potential movement. And that finds its way back in Genesis. Because we can see in Genesis chapter 3 what happened was this. That the serpent came now. And this is why I'm reminding you. Because the serpent is going to come to you. Come on. If you think he only came to Adam and Eve and he was done. You have not read your Bible. He knows his time is short. Come on. And so therefore, because he's not omnipresent, that's the first thing you have to recognize. What he does, he has his demons and he has his fallen angels. Come on. That goes around trying to trouble you and trouble me. And so we got to be reminded why. Because he's doing the same thing he did back there. He says, do it yourself. Don't wait on God. Do it yourself. And so he begins and, and he says, and he says to the woman, um, what did God say? And she answered, well, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the gardens. Okay, cool. But God said, you should not eat of the fruit in the tree in the garden. Genesis 3, 2 and 3. That is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. God never said that. And so here he gets her now changing the language and changing the narrative. And he's never changed today. He changes the narrative. And he wants you and I to add what we should never add. And to take away what we should never take away. Good God Almighty. The human potential movement. And so in verse 6 and 7. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food. And it was delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were open. They were awakened to destiny. Come on. They were awakened to destiny. And, and, and they saw them. They looked. And here they said. They sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves. And made what? Themselves. They did it themselves. We didn't follow the instructions. We'll just, we'll just do it ourselves. Okay, you covered? Yeah, good. You covered? Okay, good. Good. You covered the private part. Yes, I covered the private parts. Ah. So therefore, what they did was they were covering shame because of the lie of the enemy. Where God says you were naked because it was pleasure. Oh, God. Because in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, this is when God says, I'll do it myself. He says, let us make man. He did it. And in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, he says, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive what? Glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and for your pleasure they exist, and they were created. Everything God created was for his pleasure. Every child that leaves the womb of a mother is for God's pleasure. Come on, somebody. And so therefore, he's saying this, that worthy are you, Lord, to give him praise and glory. It doesn't matter whether you're saved or not, you're created by God. They give him pleasure and give him glory. It's the enemy that doesn't want you to be reminded of that. And so he says, worthy are you, Lord. So what do we do then? So God gave us the Bible. He gave us the B-I-B-L-E. Because that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L. My goodness. That's one of the classic ones. So here's the Bible that was given. First one is basic instructions before leaving Eden. Basic instruction before leaving Eden. Genesis chapter 3 verse 24. The man called his wife Eve because she was mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. 
And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Not life, in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God set them out. One choice says he drove them out. What kind of God is that? That would drive them out. It's a God who understands rebuke. And he realized if they would touch life in their current condition, they would remain that way forever. And so he says, these are the basic instructions before leaving Eden. You've got to get out. I can't run the risk of you DIY again. And so he says, I'm going to do it. And so he closes them now. I'm almost finished. And he drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. He takes them out of Eden. He gives them the rebuke, but he gives them the reminder. Come on. Because while he gave the rebuke, he also said in that same chapter, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. Come on. He gives a, he gives a prophetic word about the deliverer. He gives a prophetic word about what he's going to do. So he gives the rebuke. He gives a reminder. And so he's saying that we are living outside of Eden now. He says how we're supposed to live. We are supposed to live. Come on. With this flame and sword. We're supposed to live with this fear of God. Lest we touch something and live in that condition forever. And he's saying we must have this reverence for God. That only he can clothe us. Come on. Only he can cover us. That we must understand we need the righteousness of of God is there anybody under the sound of my voice and watching online that thanks God for his righteousness and not my righteousness I left Eden but I wasn't left to be alone he wrapped around me his righteousness he wrapped around me his righteousness and so the second thing is now there are people who recognize okay okay so 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 I know what Jesus did I, I I get it because what happens is this see the basic instruction before leaving basic instruction before leaving Eden is this we live from chapter 4 and we live all the way to Jesus in Matthew a quick Bible history. And so we're living all the, and everything you see is about man trying to get to God. Come on. And God's choice says, I'm coming to you. And they're trying to get to God. And sometimes they would get mixed up and have idols. And God would break down those idols and say, stop doing it yourself. Come on. And he would get to them. And then religion was birthed. And then a cult was birthed. And then I, 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 being an idol was birthed. All these different things were being birthed so they can try to get to God. But come on. Every, every, every foreign God always wants you to sacrifice but only God became the sacrifice and came for you can I get somebody to give God praise and glory because every other idol wants you to die but God sent his son to die oh my God in your place and God is saying give me praise give me worship I'm coming to you I'm coming to you and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And so that's one cultivation that took place from the time as Moses has written all the way to Malachi. And so Jesus came. And so all of a sudden now, when Jesus came, I got hurt. When Jesus came, they came and says, finally the Messiah who's going to do it, who's going to fix it. And they miss the reality of what we needed was Jesus and not him just coming. Come on. It was more than just, hey, here's our Messiah. Shame on you, all the other nations. No, it was we need God. We miss Eden. And so many of us, we have done this. We've accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And this is where the church is. And God is saying that you need now to move deeper into your confidence. And this is where the church is. Only got one more point after this. This is where the church is. The B-I-B-L-E. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. That's how we look at the Bible. It's our fire insurance. Come on. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. And so the question that we ask everybody is what must I do to be saved? And that's it. That's it. And so what happens? We have people who are coming to Jesus. Yes, 
because they're terrified. They're coming to Jesus because of guilt. They come to Jesus out of shame. And I don't question how they get here. I just thank God they got there. But if you came to Jesus out of guilt, you won't stay there. If you came to Jesus out of shame, you won't stay there. Because that devil is going to come and he's going to say, what did God tell you? And if you are responsible for shame and for guilt and for condemnation, you're going to stumble. And that's what Peter was saying. That the pressure that you're under, if you don't know why you are saved, you will stumble. So he says, basic instructions before leaving earth. Someone said, let's go deeper. So God saves you. So why the moment that you got saved, you didn't go straight to heaven? Why didn't you die automatically when you got saved and go back to your resident there? Go back to be with Jesus. Why is it the moment you confess Christ, you're still breathing and living? So it's got to be more than just basic instructions before leaving earth. Come on. You, we got to commit to that then. We got to commit to that. Because there's no motivation. There's no inspiration if it's strictly just that. And so what we have to realize is this is where God is taking us. And I don't know if you want to go, but I'm going there. I'm reading God's word differently now. I'm starting to realize now. I said, God, remind me of back in Genesis. And he's saying, cultivate confidence, Rowan. That's okay, Father. He's okay. Not just conversion, confidence. And so let me leave you with this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, he says, these are the people I'm looking for. These are the people that are cultivating confidence. It's not about conversion. You're going to heaven. Praise God. You're going to heaven. That's great. We're going to be reunited. It's, it's awesome. It's going to be a great rejoicing. Seeing our loved ones who kept the faith. And went to be with the Lord. But there's more. Someone say there's more. And so Peter is writing. And he tells them that in order for you to move forward in faith. For you to cultivate confidence and live by faith. And for you to produce the fruit of faith. You have to understand the Bible. See. The language has changed because we stopped reading the word. And so, this is what it means. That Paul says that you are his epistles written on your heart. So, preach the gospel, as one saint of old said. And if necessary, use words. Come on. So what he's saying is this, that the moment you come to know Christ, what you're supposed to become is you're cultivating confidence, what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, 21. And he says in verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to do what? Pay attention as a lamp shining, what? In a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God is saying, it's time for you to be carried now by the Holy Spirit. That what brought you to the altar wasn't your footsteps. It was the Holy Ghost that brought you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you came to him. To receive basic instructions before leaving earth. But what he gave you was this. That you must be a biblically inspired believer living extraordinary. Good God Almighty. Oh, I want to run in this place. Come on. I want to shout. He's saying some of you right now, you're shifting. You're moved from just basic instructions to leaving earth. You're saying, I get it now, God. I'm a biblically inspired believer. Yes, living extraordinary. Come on. I don't move by the will of man, but I speak as the Holy Spirit tells me to speak. I'm going to tell you right now. Here is where the decision is being made. I'm closing my Bible, folding my paper. Praise God, drinking my water, so we're almost finished. And here it is. 
Here it is now. You are a biblically inspired believer living extraordinary. Ooh, God Almighty. So when you take up a cause, come on. There's no need to say it's controversial. I'm biblically inspired. I only do what my father tells me. I only speak what the father tells me to speak. How can that be controversial? When I'm speaking, thus say it the Lord. Come on. I'm carried by the Holy Ghost. And church, we must speak, thus say it the Lord God Almighty. Because we're carried along by the Holy Spirit. So with every head bowed, every eyes closed. Minister Blaine, you, you lead young people who would tell you, I'm saved, man. I got the basic instructions. I'm good. But that's, that, 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 that's, the, that's not God's design. You, 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 that, that's not going to keep them when they leave youth ministry. Statistic tells us 6% of young people will leave, will walk away from the faith when they get as adults. That's because all we've been giving them is basic instructions. We're telling them to read the Bible, but they've never studied the Bible. And so where we're shifting into now, if you want to stay stable, you need to not just read the Bible, but study the Bible. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Today is your day of decision. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Come to Jesus. He's calling you. He's initiating the call. Come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the call now is for those who are saying, okay, God, I'm saved. But here it is. I'm not satisfied. There's something you have for me to do. There's an assignment you've given me. There's a direction I need to go. There is something I need to do. And what he's saying is this. Is if you will embrace, if you will cultivate confidence, then you will know that you're a biblically inspired believer. And it's time to live extraordinary. Acts 19 verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. You see, confidence is about provision and potential. Confidence is about provision and potential. If you're here right now, and your prayer this morning is, Pastor O, I want to be a biblically inspired believer. I want to live in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. If that's you, I want you to stay where you are. You can come to this altar, whatever posture you want to have. But I want before you leave this place, And before you lead these gifted people that we call community, and before you stop watching online, let it be clear that you know that you've been reminded today that I'm biblically inspired. That as a believer, I'm biblically inspired. And I'm going to be living an extraordinary life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Please, if we can just stay in this reverence atmosphere. Right where you see there, if you want to come to this altar, you just want to spend some time. Because you're saying, God, I need more confidence. I have the confidence that I'm saved. But I need the confidence for my next assignment. I need confidence to do what you've put in my heart to do, God. I need to know that I'm biblically inspired. So when I speak, I don't speak lies and love. And I don't speak truth and anger. I need to be biblically inspired to speak the truth and love. Come on, sing it, Richie. Hallelujah.
Come on. Prophetically, I declare over your life right now, follow the instructions. Follow the instructions. Life doesn't come put together. You have to follow the instructions found in the word of life. That's what you must commit to. Is to follow the instructions. And how you love me. Come on. Everybody, if you know this song, let's get on the screen if possible. Everyone lift your voice and sing. Lord, I'm amazed. Yes. on one more time. Come on one more time. Let's shift the atmosphere. If you're biblically inspired, lift your voice and say, I'm amazed. I'm amazed by you. Yes. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that as a church, corporally, we will follow the instructions of sound doctrine. I also pray that every individual here wake to destiny. Come on. Wake to destiny. For God wants to do extraordinary miracles through your hands. 